0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is New York Times best-selling author and neuroanatomist Jill Bolt Taylor. Her new book is Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice and the Four Characters that Drive Our Life. During these times of increased social and economic distress, many of us are suffering from anxiety and fear about our future. Creating our new normal is all about identifying what is possible. When we understand who we are, we are empowered to make better choices. According to renowned neuroanatomist, New York Times bestselling author, stroke survivor, and one of Time Magazine's most influential people, Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor, we have much more power over what is going on inside of our brains than we ever have been taught. She debunks the myth that we use only 10% of our brain, as well as the idea that our right brain hemisphere is our emotional brain, while our left brain houses our rational thinking. She gave the first TED Talk that ever went viral on the Internet and was the premier guest on Oprah Winfrey's Soul Series. Welcome to the show, Jill. Nice to have you on. Thank you, Catherine. It's good to be with you. And you've been with me before when uh, when your first book came out, My. Yes, my stroke of insight, so it's really good to have you back. Okay, whole brain living, I want to get right into it because, you know, I I guess maybe I always had an inkling, maybe I'm not using my whole brain and really should be, so, you know, uh, this is your. I guess your book really points out what we don't know, how we can use our brain, uh, the anatomy of choice for characters that drive our life. Tell us what the whole brain is, but Jill, tell us so that lay people can understand it. But we all can understand. Not we don't have to be a neuroanatomist to understand it.
1: Absolutely not. So um, I so when I look, think about the myths, first of all, we have this myth that we're only using ten percent of our brain, and that's just a myth. Uh, neurons are little social creatures, and they are in network. They stimulate others. They like being stimulated. And, and they're a part of a network. So if it's alive and it's in your head, you're using it. And I think that's really important for us to recognize we have this whole organ to to take advantage of. And the better we know it, the better we can differentiate what's going on in there. Then we better know what our choices are so that we can make better choices. So when what, what really brought me... To this awareness was the realization that we have two emotional brains. Our emotional tissue is evenly divided between our right hemisphere, which is in the right here, right now, and our left hemisphere which takes information about the present moment and passes it and compares it to our past experience. So we have two emotional groups of cells that are independent in how they function, and we have two thinking modules of cells, one in each hemisphere, that are independent in how they think. So the better we get to know each of those groups of cells, the skill sets they give us, and the personalities that they embody as us into the world, then the better we understand what's going on inside of our head. So how do we get
0: to know that? I mean, how do we process that information so we use it and. Our everyday life, because up until this point, we've talked about left brain, right brain. How do you get that out of your brain? Because, you know, that, I mean, it's still referred to as left brain, right brain. So is, this is a yeah. whole new way of what? Thinking or, or it's not really explain well, that to us.
1: Yeah. So what this does is somewhere along the line, we were told that the right brain is the uh, emotional brain the left brain is the rational thinking brain. And although it is true that the thinking tissue in the left hemisphere is our rational brain, it is our A-type personality, I call that part of our brain. So, So think about the brain as these two hemispheres. Each hemisphere has an emotional group of cells and each hemisphere has a thinking group of cells. So the right hemisphere is a right here, right now processing machine. It's easy to remember. Right hemisphere, right here, right now. The left hemisphere has linearity to its thinking. So it has a past, a present, and a future. So the thinking tissue of the past, present, future is that left Thinking tissue, And I call that character one. So I think I talk about this as four characters. So character one is the rational thinking tissue of our left brain. And it is our A-type personality. It organizes everything in the external world. It likes to control everything, people, places, and things. It's the part of our brain that thinks that that stapler should go right back to where the stapler belongs. And we all know this part of ourselves. It's how we create order in the external world. So I encourage people to recognize that part of your character, give that character a name that means something to you. So I call my character one Helen, which is short for hell on wheels. She gets it done and she's busy. <laughs> and I'm guessing, Catherine, that you know your character one.
0: I would say I'm character one, although, you know, I've had, experience, I have three boys and I have one son who is like character one triple and I seem... Not like a character one when I compare myself to him. So, anyway, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, some of us have a lot of character one. Some of us it's our primary default character, and some of us rarely tap into our character one. And we know those people. We've met them, and that's okay. And the thing about these characters is these are just parts of our brain that we can get to know. So none of them is bad. Well, none of you them a is
0: uh, to you know, like, I want to put a face on that because say, let's say a character one, the one who wants to take control, organize. Would that be like in layman's terms, kind of like a, an, an engineer? I mean, would that would you would that yeah. translate yeah. into
1: okay? Yeah, anybody who's going to think linearly, a plus b equals c. But that's professionally. I mean, it's the part of our brain that actually knows that we put our socks on before we put our shoes on. So it's the, it's the process of being able to play on the idea of linear thinking. There is a a past, there's a present, there's a future. A must happen, I must put my socks on before I put my shoes on, before I tie my shoestrings. I know that because of that character one. Okay. Okay. All right, that's so character I'm looking one. At
0: yep, we've got that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at the skill sets that then get manifested in the external world in the bigger picture of life. In engineering, if you're a good strong engineer, you have to have a good strong character one. But you have all four of them. And that's the point is when we recognize all four of these characters inside of ourselves, then those conversations going on inside of our heads start to make a whole lot more sense because we know which part of ourselves has what values and that's why they're weighing in on a certain choice because of what they want because they're very different the different parts of our brain have very different values well
0: given that I mean are we are we always aware of that how does that fit into our everyday in terms of making choices
1: most of us are not at all aware. We are aware that we are experiencing internal conflict. Should I take that job? My left brain says, Yes, I should take that job because I value the monetary reward, I value how it will help me climb the hierarchical ladder to a higher position, but it's out of town, and so then my more emotional parts of myself, especially my, my right emotional part, might say, yes, but my children are happy here, and if I, if I take them out of their structure and their friends, then, you know, that's a different value, So let me keep going and then we'll talk about how these characters can interrelate to one another in our daily life and how we can use it. Okay. 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 So the emotion of our left hemisphere is what I call character number two. The emotion of the past, the present, and the future. So this is going to be all of our pain from the past and it's going to be our fear of the unknown projected into the future. So this, this group of cells, and, and it's important to think about the evolution of humanity such that we, uh, we have, have emotional tissue developed first. We share the emotional tissue with all other mammals. But the difference between other mammals and, and humans is that we add new thinking tissue on top of that emotional tissue. So the emotion is first, information comes in and it gets processed through the emotional tissue first on both the right and the left, and then that goes up into our thinking tissue. So we really are feeling creatures who think instead of thinking creatures who feel, and that's really important to recognize, and this is why it's so important that we process our emotions and that we don't just squash down and override our emotions and ignore them like they don't matter.
0: Which is what we tend to do. Are you saying is that sort of something that we do that we should not be? Yeah,
1: character one. Character one tends to do that because character one we are conscious of. Character one we know what we're doing in the world, and the left hemisphere is the the pain from our past, and it is our abrupt uh, emotional uh, tissue that says i'm comparing the the emotion of our of our character too, in that left emotional tissue looks at the world and is looking for differences, and that tissue we feel safe when we see things that are similar to us, so i it's it's looking for those differences and looking for a reason to push away and say no, I don't like that, I don't want that. So this is the part of our brain that is going to look at different colored skin and say. That's different from me. I don't feel safe. Or hear different languages and say, I don't like that. I don't understand that. That's not the same as me. I don't feel safe. So this is the part of our brain that is looking for differences and rejecting what is out there if it does not feel familiar. This is also the part of our brain that craves. This is our craving tissue. So when we have addictions, this part of our brain is, uh, is a part that has to go through rehabilitation if a rehabilitation is to be successful and there's not going to be a relapse.
0: All right. Let's talk about that because as a social worker, I am interested in that. So this is related to health issues, right? You're saying this is specifically exactly. related to... Can we... Yeah. So let's embellish upon that. How does that work? Let's say addiction, food addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever, the, I guess, applies to all of those addictions.
1: Yeah. It, it begins. An addiction begins with a craving, and the craving is a is a group of cells inside of our brain, inside of that left emotional tissue. There's a group of cells called the insular cortex. And those cells are where we crave, and we know that because lesion studies show that when stroke survivors or other people with TBI, uh, brain trauma, uh, wipe out that segment, then they give up their addictions because they don't have any craving anymore. So the craving is actually a group of cells inside of the brain saying, I want this, I want this, I'm yearning for this, I need this, I need this, But uh, and, and so it is a part of that character too. And if we get caught up in just looping, rerunning the circuitry of that character to need, 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 want, want, want. And we don't recognize that we have these other parts of our brain that allow us to make different choices instead of satisfying that craving by giving myself more of what it is I'm addicted to then i have a i when i know the other characters in my brain i know what my other choices are so i can actually in real time make a different choice and this is as simple as let's say i'm giving up cigarettes and um, uh man what a i mean that's a powerful addiction and instead of um, i don't want to just replace one bad habit with another bad habit, but I can then shift into a different character and I can go to work. I could shift into my character one. I could preoccupy myself. I could get on the phone. I could take a business call. I can do a million other things to distract myself away from fueling that circuitry. And it is so important to think that every ability we have, Catherine, is because we have brain cells that are performing those functions. So, if we are routinizing or re-looping, rerunning a loop like craving, then it's like, how do we get the energy out of that circuitry and hook it into a healthier circuit so that I can bypass that desire or that need?
0: Well, uh, thinking about the opioid uh, 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 problem that we have in this country, that's really becoming—it's getting worse and worse. So. What about clinicians? Are they, you, as you described it, Do they are they using it in the process of therapy or counseling
1: uh, with opioid addicts or, or, or not, or what? Well, this is brand new material. And the only reason why I have, so essentially what this material of this new book, Whole Brain Living, is about is I was a brain scientist at Harvard. I had a major hemorrhage in the left half of my brain. I could not walk, talk, read, write, recall any of my life. I became an absolute, complete infant in a woman's body. And it took eight years for me to completely recover all of those skills. And so that was the, the story of my stroke of insight that we talked about back in 08. So, but what happened then was in over eight years, I regained the skill sets of my left hemisphere emotional system and my left hemisphere thinking system. But what I recognized was that when I had that stroke, I didn't just lose abilities. I lost characters inside of myself. And as those skill sets came back online, so did the characters. And so I became really clear of who are these four characters inside of our brain. And now the better we understand what's going on with these four characters inside of our brain, we have the power to choose moment by moment which of those four characters we want to embody. This is the first, this is the first paradigm that marries our psychology and what we understand through a psychological filter with the neuroanatomy. Of the brain so yes i there are already hundreds of people who are are recognizing their four characters and creating a healthy relationship with their own brain becoming more aware of of who inside of me who are these voices what part of me is addicted what part of me wants to be clean what part of me wants to just replace it with another addiction uh so so the beauty of this of this paradigm is that it it gives it gives everybody a differentiation of who's who inside of themselves so that they can actually create a team a healthy team conversation among themselves so that we can make better choices
0: all right so you it sounds to me like you uh, you know since 2008 um, you've worked very hard at making those better choices. I think before we got on the air, you said you're living on a boat or living on your boat? Yes, I live on a boat, yes. And well, so for me... I I'm a, I'm a. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I am a. Yeah, well, I, I assume that that was a big change from the way it was, let's say, before you had your stroke so that you're... Uh, living, it sounds like an entirely different lifestyle as a result of all of this. You know, the 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 work that you've done on the brain, and,
1: and yeah.
0: So how do I'm t- trying to relate that to your well, own personal life?
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, you 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 have to realize that when I lost my left hemisphere, I lost my rational brain. I lost the ability to think. In linearity, I, I became an infant in a woman's body. I had no ability. I fell instantly off the Harvard ladder. I had no capacity whatsoever. I didn't even know what a mother was, much less who my mother was. I had absolutely no language. So uh, I became essentially vegetative. And then it was a course of then I had surgery two and a half weeks after uh, the hemorrhage to, to take the pressure off my brain. And the doctors just said, go figure it out. You know, right now we have no idea how much you'll get back, um, but it'll be two years before we know anything. And so uh, my mother moved back into my life. She became my mother of an infant again. She taught me to read and to write and how to drive a car. Uh, she taught me everything. And then um, over that eight-year period, I rebuilt all of my capacities, but I, at that point, had zero interest in returning to the woman I had been eight years before. I was just interested in figuring out, well, who am I now and what have I learned because of having been a brain scientist studying how does our brain create our perception of reality, and then I lose half my reality so I get a real clear lesson on what's going on in my right hemisphere. And then as I rebuild and regain the skill sets and the characters in my left brain, it's like, wow. I mean, this, is very, this was an opportunity for differentiation of our characters. We all have these, co- these characters having these conversations, but who's talking to who in there? And now it's like neuroanatomically based. Now we have a better clue.
0: We've got probably time kind for of one last question because we only have a couple of minutes left. It might be too big a question. I don't know. But just how do we relate to, this, to the pandemic? And how can we, uh, having this kind of an understanding, because I, I realize I've, you know, I've sort of gotten out of my quarantine. I've been in the city. I've flown in a plane for the first time in a year, all those kinds of things. But there is this kind of feeling of like, I, this is sort of like, I've lived a certain lifestyle for a year, now I have to make a big change. I think that people that I talk to, this whole sense of loss, of losing a year, yes. how do, does that, you know, how do we, I guess, navigate um, as a, individually and as a community, this whole, uh, what, what's happened to us, this loss and uh, grief, and uh, how does that fit into this whole brain living
1: Well, you know, uh, it is our left brain that looks at what is and says, I wish it were different than what it is. It is the right hemisphere. So little character three is the emotion of the present moment. And the present moment is a perfect place. And we have new opportunities. And if we if we recognize that we got to spend different kinds of time with different kinds of people, learning different kinds of things, how many of us cleaned out our closets, and we actually celebrate and have gratitude for the fact that we lived through this, I mean, then it really is going to shift into the character four, which is that thinking tissue of that right hemisphere that says, you know, Catherine, I'm just grateful I'm alive. I'm grateful that I survived this. I'm grateful I have two eyes and I have a nose and a mouth and I have language. And I actually have the ability to rearrange what are my values. What did I like about my life before this? What do I like about my life during this? And what do I want my future life to be? And I have the power to choose that. Because I'm not caught in the past of my left brain. I can live a whole brain life and actually live in celebration of what is instead of how what is is different from how I want it to be. And live with a sense of gratitude that I had what I had, and now I have whatever I want to create. And and that's a frame of mind, and that's that's the power we all have.
0: Well, it's great talking to you today, and I obviously recommend that people get out there and read the book, Whole Brain Living. Uh, we've just touched on a few of the topics in the book, Jill Boat Taylor, Ph.D., The Anatomy of Choice, and the four characters that drive our lives. Jill, just give us a website and or website we can go to for more information about the book and about you.
1: Thank you. DrJillTaylor.com will take you to my website, and then the book, of course, is available wherever books are sold. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great information. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye.
0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.